1: Welcome to the Smart Home Show. Today's guest, Paul Williams of Control Four. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. My name is Michael Wolf, and man, it's been a big rumor week for Smart Home, what with Apple's rumored coming out party next week for their Smart Home initiative at Worldwide Developers Conference. We'll see if that happens, Um, as well as Google rumored to be looking at DropCan, the maker of the Wi-Fi, the hugely popular Wi-Fi camera, as a way to enter and have some sort of offering in terms of home security and monitoring. Yeah, I've written down a few thoughts on this. I've written a couple of posts at Forbes and, and my own blog. You can check that out, nextmarket.co. And I'll have more thoughts on on uh, Apple's initiative next week uh, for the podcast. I'll probably do some special co- podcasts around the news. So, so stay tuned for that. Today's guest is Paul Williams of Control 4. For those of you who don't know anything about Control 4, you're probably fairly new to Smart Home. They've been a fixture uh, in home automation and control for the last decade or so, really kind of uh, entering the market and bringing a new a more more software-centric approach to home automation and control uh, about a decade ago, and and really one of the most high-profile smart home companies to go public. They went public last year, so they're an interesting company. We talk about their offering, what they're doing, and uh, where they're going. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Again, stay tuned for future smart home shows. Uh, You can find the smart home show at technology.fm, or just look for a smart home show on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Thanks for listening, guys, and here's my conversation with Paul Williams from Control 4. Hey, well, I want to welcome Paul Williams, the Vice President of Security and Communication Products at Control 4. Hey, Paul.
0: Hi, Michael. Happy to be here.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about Control 4, um, which is a well-known name in the world of home automation and smart home, and, but I, I'm not sure everyone knows exactly how you would describe yourself, so tell me how you describe Control 4.
0: So that's a a good question. It comes up all the time. So uh, we are a home automation solutions provider. You could think about us as the smart home uh, provider that uh, brings technology to the home. And what we really do at the core essence of what we do is we make all of the technology that's in your home work for you simply and easily by bringing it all together in a single easy-to-use interface. And whether that interface is an on-screen interface uh, on your mobile device or on dedicated touch panels – um, the homeowner has access to all of the technology in their home in that fashion.
1: Tell me about those early days. I think you've been with the company for ten years. Talk about yeah. the early days and what was the idea?
0: We uh, had been a uh, private entity for the uh, past uh, ten years. Um, as you mentioned, I've been with the company for ten years. When we started off, um, it was a much different environment than we're in today. Um, the home automation had been around; had been around at that time for quite a while, but it was really only available to a very, very few select. Individuals and those individuals had extremely high net worth. We're talking kind of the 1% of the 1%, because those are the only people that really could afford to put in home automation. And we came into this with a desire and a goal to bring uh, home automation to a broader uh, clientele, and to a broader base of people. And we've done that over the last 10 years. We've continued to push the boundaries on where our products are installed. And we've made it attainable for, for people uh, that have technology, really, at the end of the day. And what we always say is that, you know, who are we providing for? Who's our demographic? Our demographic are people who live in homes. Uh, that's the people that we're, that we're really going after. Um, along the way, over the last 10 years, uh, we've continued to uh, refine and update and improve what we have. Um, we have built a, a thriving ecosystem of other manufacturers who make their products uh, compatible with Control 4, um, who, who integrate with their pad their products with Control 4, to really offer this really broad solution to homeowners of the capabilities of what that technology can do for them and with them in their homes.
1: When you talk about those earlier days, you know, before you guys had a solution, you, you talk about folks like Amex and others, and those higher price points. Talk about where you guys come in, because I, I see Control 4 as, as coming in in that mid market, uh, you know, certainly in the kind of the the you know three to ten thousand dollar price points, it was would that be an accurate description?
0: That's that's very accurate, actually. So our average our average uh, installation is between uh, forty five hundred and six thousand dollars of installation, um, and so that's that's significantly lower than it was when we first came in the market, where you'd you'd find these uh, systems that were extremely expensive. Um, we have systems that starting out, if you were just looking to automate a single uh, media room or a home theater and you wanted to automate all of the products that you have in there, the receivers, the Blu-ray player, the Kate Sat box, uh, to be able to have that automated along with the television and use a single remote control, uh, we can do that for, for literally under $1,500. And so we can start uh, really small but then grow. Um, and we have a lot of single room systems that are out there in the world today. And then we have a, a lot of many, many, many square foot homes uh, that are that are out there today you know, we have in in Ireland we have a a home that I I think last kind it was like 130 rooms or something like that. So we can we can really stretch across that whole uh, spectrum of either simple single room control all the way up to uh, full home control and massive home control.
1: When I remember talking to Control4, you know, a decade ago and talking to one of your founders Eric, uh, I remember the the pitch largely being about the software you guys have. And so, but you guys have developed quite. A broad set of your own hardware. So, talk about you know those the early idea around the software you developed, and then how you guys eventually developed quite a bit of your own hardware.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to talk to you a little bit about that. So, we at the core, we we would consider ourselves, uh, and really what we want to be is the operating system for the connected home. Uh, we want to be able to bring all that technology together, whether it's it's products that we've created ourselves or whether they're third-party products. And along the way, and we have, as you mentioned, a very full solution of hardware products. We have our own full lighting solution uh, that's automated lighting control that's very elegant and great. Uh, We have full audio-video distribution, uh, both video and audio distribution throughout the home, along with uh, touch panels and remote controls and all the accessories that you would need to to make that all work uh, correctly. But we also then work with third parties, and we bring those third parties in. Uh, you know, for example, in lighting control, uh, we have, our, as I mentioned, our own elegant lighting control, but we also integrate very seamlessly with Lutron and with Light Touch and with Vantage. And we give the homeowners really a, an option for what they want in their home. And for some people, they really want the Lutron lighting, and that's fine. Uh, we can we can accommodate that. And at the end of the day, we're happy to be that operating system for that connected home.
1: I know that Martin was talking to my friend over at uh, CE Pro, Julie Jacobson, about the growth of third-party hardware. And I think they referred specifically to the Nest thermostat and how you guys were the first to really integrate from a third-party smart home platform perspective. And I, I think Martin kind of, uh, I don't know, part, maybe probably tongue-in-cheek, but he said, you know, we may not ever want to make a thermostat again. So talk about, because we are in a different world now, right? There's a lot of great devices being brought to market that you guys can integrate from a third-party perspective, much different than 10 years ago when you guys started. I mean, has your, has your stance on hardware or will your stance on hardware change over time where you may want to just integrate best of best of class?
0: A- absolutely. Um, you know as as you mentioned, you know, ten years ago it was a much different world. In order to automate some of these products, we had to build the products that would allow them to be automated. Now in the with the Internet of Things literally everything that you could in in your life is automated or has the capability to be automated and that's changed our the way that we look at the world um we uh continue once again to build build this ecosystem and our partnerships so that you know if there's a best in class thermostat or a best in class um XYZ device that we can integrate it and we may decide not to build our own product in that case because there what's out there is is fantastic and works well and seamlessly within our system and it's as we look at those at technologies that come up, we always have this decision of make, buy, or or uh, refer. Right? We have to decide: is it just something we refer to a specific thermostat or to a uh, a alarm system or a lighting control device, uh, rather than make, build it ourselves? Because you know, at the at the end of the day, there's there's companies that are built up that have set subject matter expertise around these technologies, and you know, for us to be able to accomplish and to look at each and every one of those technologies and incorporate it in the company. It's, it's not logical, first of all, and, and secondly, it's a lot of bandwidth that we could spend doing other things to about making this platform more robust, and that's what we've continued to do. Talk about that
1: international market. I think it's a big focus for you guys. How has that been growing over the past few years?
0: So it's growing well. Um, you know, one of the things that we've, we've devoted a lot of resource to over the last couple of years is really growing that market. Um, especially as you look at some of these interesting, uh, economies like China and like India, where these emerging co- uh, economies are developing, uh, there's a real need and want for, uh, technology. And not only that, but they're not, they're not technology adverse at all. Um, they're very technology savvy and want technology. And, uh, as we're starting to see this, this, uh, growing, uh, middle and upper middle class, uh, there's certainly been a drive and uh, a want and desire for the products and solutions that we offer, and so we're seeing some significant growth in those areas of the world.
1: Do you have to adjust the product set? Do you have to adjust pricing as you go into lower-income countries or countries where they're, um, you know, may not have as much uh, higher incomes as in the U.S.?
0: Not too much. We don't do a lot of a lot of price adjustment. Uh, there, there's some to take care of. Uh, you know, duties and taxes and all the other stuff that goes along with uh, getting products from here to there. But for the most part, they're fairly on par with with where they are in the rest of the world. Um, what we find we need to do is that we've really had to spend extra time to uh, develop even further our ecosystem with our partners. Because there are products that are being used in those countries that we just would never see here in the United States or see in, in other areas of the world. And so we're, we're spending a lot of uh, cycles making sure that we're getting the product sets right, that we have the right drivers and connectivity to the devices that uh, homeowners are using in those parts of the world. Can you give
1: some examples of what maybe a device category or a certain type of use in a different market that you don't see in the U.S.?
0: Yeah, I I would say they're just device types. They're not necessarily new types of devices. They're just device types, different types of, especially when we start talking about uh, lighting control. Um, And uh, if you go into into Europe, for example, it's very, very common for them to be controlled over KNX. And KNX is a communications uh, specification for not just lighting control, but it's HVAC and a lot of other things. It's been around for quite a while, but it's really only taken off in in Europe, and we see it somewhat in Australia as well. But not so much in the United States, but in, in, in the uh, EMEA area of the world, Europe, Middle East, and Africa, um, it's very prevalent. So we've had to really make sure that we have uh, good connectivity to KNX and the KNX uh, architecture for us to be able to communicate to those devices. That's just that's just one example. As we move into into China, it's uh, different types of cameras and uh, camera manufacturers. And so there's device drivers that we need to create for, for cameras we've never seen before. Um, so our group over there is uh, always doing those those types of things along with uh, sensors, um, you know, motion sensors and contact switches and those types of things uh, to make sure that they uh, work correctly in the control Four environment. So
1: I know there's a lot of software developers or at least folks who do do work with the control Four control Four platform in the channel. How do you guys uh, feed and, and help those guys to to create to work around your platform? Can you talk about that?
0: Yeah, you bet. So we have a, as as I mentioned, we have this partner program. We also have a very, a very excellent developer program. And uh, as you mentioned, we have a good set of, of developers that are out in the world, in fact, scattered across the world, uh, that do a great uh, bit of business themselves. Allow, they're selling their drivers and their uh, they're, uh products uh to the to our dealers and to the customers and what we've done is we we incorporate them they bring them in we bring them in early in the process if we're making any changes to any software uh, they're brought in fairly early just right after the alpha stage uh so they're cut in early on what we're doing and where we're going uh, we talk to them very frequently about the direction um, and uh even some of our future roadmaps so that they're prepared so that we never leave what we don't want to do is ever have this this uh, problem where we would release a, a release of software and we've suddenly broken all of the things they've been working on uh, independently. That would be very bad because uh, at this point there's a lot of customers that are dependent on those uh, drivers and the connectivity that those uh, developers have made. And so uh, we bring them in, we bring them in early, we talk to them often and uh, they're, they're very much part of our, our ecosystem. Now that also goes into us giving them suggestions. Uh, we know there are there are demands for certain technologies, certain connectivity, certain products. And we know looking at our development schedule, we're just not going to get to them. They wouldn't be prioritized high enough for us to be able to work on them. And we'll feed those to those developers. We'll say, you know what? we've got this opportunity. We've had number number of customers have contacted us about you know this specific type of uh, driver or this specific type of connectivity or even this specific type of control. And uh, we are not going to be able to get to it. Is that something you guys would like to take on? And we, for, we feed some of those projects to those to those uh, developers.
1: Talk about a little bit where you guys fit in the broader landscape. I mean, I know that um, we talked a little bit about the high end, but there's a very active and interesting uh, DIY space. And there's also um, what's been a, a pretty active area as well in the managed smart home space. As you've seen guys writing um, on things like guy control, uh, Comcast and others coming to the market. So uh, talk about the lower, the guys below you in terms of pricing, where do you, how do you guys see, see those guys competing with those guys? Do you see yourself ultimately
0: maybe having to adjust to them? So it's, it's interesting. Uh, we don't typically come up against them much, uh, much in projects there. Are, it, we do occasionally, but for the most part, we kind of play in different play in play boxes or sandboxes. Uh, the, as you mentioned, they're kind of in that lower end and then, in uh, even into some of the DIY products like the, uh, uh, smart things and uh, and Revolve—they're in, in kind of that category. And then you've got the service providers throughout there: AT and T, Digital Life. You've got Vivint. You've got Comcast, as you mentioned, and uh, they're out there um, selling this this these packages. We we would uh, argue that that's control, not automation, and there is a subtle difference between those two things. Uh, we don't see that us coming up too often against those uh, against either of those of uh, competitors in those different those two different spaces. However, we are always watching them. Um, we, we are excited about what they're doing and we're excited uh, for several ways. One, what they have really done, especially with some of the, uh, the, uh, service, service providers who have, who have large marketing pockets, um, who've dumped lots of marketing into the, uh, into the, onto the airwaves and into print. And what they've really done is leveled the awareness and consumer awareness has gone up dramatically since they started these kind of nationwide ad campaigns about what automation might be and what we're finding is that for some homeowners that's what they're what they're selling and what they're what they're offering is fantastic it's going to work for them it controls everything that they wanted and it gives them everything that they would they would hope to get out of out of a control system but what we have been finding and this is the interesting thing is that there are consumers that look at that then find out, do the research, find about what the real offering is and what it's really going to be able to offer to their lives and decide it's not enough. It's not going to give them the level of control they would like to have. They were, first of all, made aware by that that uh, advertiser, by that service provider, but now they want the full experience. And that's led them to Control 4 because we absolutely can provide that at a, at a really uh, great price and, uh, and a fantastic solution. And so what it's meant to us is that we've seen an increase in business since these these guys have been out there, uh, from them out pumping the street and getting people excited about the technology. Now at the same time, we're watching that market very closely uh, to to see if if, if do we want to continue to move down. Is it is it something that will that that makes sense for us? And we're watching that. That's something we'll continue to uh, look and and act as accordingly as we see fit. You
1: said there's a difference between automation and control. You, you said they're largely control. Talk about that difference in your mind.
0: Okay, so control, being able to take a, a device like a light switch or even to view a camera um, within the home, and that's that's what these service providers have, um, being able to control that through my mobile app is is really cool, but that's control. What automation does for you is automation does exactly that. It does things without you having to have any input. So let's take, for example, a husband and wife who work. And their child comes home during the day. And what their biggest concern is, uh, is did little Bobby or did little Susie come home uh, at the time they were supposed to come home? Well, we can have that whole thing automated. So from the point that where little Bobby enters his code into the automated door lock, we sense his code. We know that it's his code and the system's keeping track of this. It automatically sends an email to the uh, both parents, lets them know uh, Bobby's entered his code into the door lock. And furthermore, we can snap a shot from the front door camera uh, to send a picture to the uh, parents to let them know Bobby hasn't brought home his friends at the same time because he should be working on his homework. Uh, We can also even make sure that Bobby's not doing the things he's not supposed to do when the parents aren't home. And, uh, you know, with a uh, contact switch on the Xbox or on the PlayStation, uh, we can send a message to let them know, hey, the Xbox just turned on. And uh, we can promptly, the parents can promptly give Bobby a call and let him know that if he hasn't finished his homework, he better turn the Xbox off and get back to uh, back to the homework. But that's that's automated. But we can also do things that are that are automated based on time of day. For example, um, lights coming on um, at a specific time, but based on the not just the time of the day, but an astronomical clock. I want it to be sunrise or sunset. And We keep track of all that information and be able to do that um, to be able to have an experience where. Uh, my wife comes home from work. She opens the garage door. The moment the garage door opens and it's a nighttime hour uh, and there are no lights on in the house, we turn on pathway lighting so she never has to come into a dark home ever again. And that's automation. That's happening without somebody pressing a button, without somebody getting on a cell phone or on a mobile device and initiating something. It happens automatically. Interesting.
1: You guys, when you started, I know that um, at least – you know, eight years ago, much of your business was new construction, and I think that um, you know, with the, the what we saw in two thousand eight, the downturn that impacted everyone, and I know that much more of your business now is is existing homes. So, talk about how that shifted.
0: So, it shifted drastically. Uh, in fact, almost overnight, is it was interesting in during that uh, housing collapse. Uh, As you mentioned, the majority of our business was done in new construction, and most of it was there. Uh, When the housing collapse happened, it happened very, very quickly, at least it affected us very, very quickly, because uh, people weren't building, homeowners, or builders weren't building homes, and uh, homeowners weren't buying new homes. But what they decided to do during that turndown was they were investing in their existing home, and they were putting uh, new technology, they were upgrading bathrooms and doing all the things to, to make their home better, rather than looking for a new home. And uh, we saw this, this dramatic shift to the retrofit market, and that still continues today. We're starting to feel, and we felt probably for the last year and a half, a resurgence in building happening in certain pockets of the country, uh, where it's, it's certainly not, not back to where it was crazy in the, before 2008, but uh, we're starting to see a nice healthy dose of new, new construction coming in, but the vast majority of our business today is still done in retrofit today, and we think that's actually a really good thing.
1: How did you work with your 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 dealers and your channel as that shift
0: happened? Did you have to
1: do a lot of work
0: with them to kind of make
1: that that transition?
0: So we certainly were doing a lot of training. We have fairly extensive training we do with our dealers. Um, we have an online university that that gives our dealers the uh, the uh, ability to do all kinds of new technologies as they come available. We train them on them, and let them know about new products. But what we did is during that time we spent a lot of time with our dealers, uh, both on the road and through uh live sessions uh, on conferencing uh conference calls to talk to them a little bit about how do you attack a retrofit market it's a little different um and interesting enough we had dealers um during the during that heyday that had never touched a retrofit home their entire existence as a dealer had been in new home construction where, you know, I have easy access to walls because I'm wiring within studs that don't have wallboard on them yet. Um, You know, we went from that to now I've got to figure out how to get wire behind this this wall that's already up. And so we did some training there. We also pushed um, those folks into uh, the Cedia world. So Cedia does a lot of training uh, for, and they have their really good boot camps for installers and for our Cedia channel, for the consumer electronics installer channel. And, uh, they, uh, we pushed them those directions to make sure they had the training they need. And it was really a lot more, uh, a lot about cons- consulting with them to talk to them about what was changing and what they needed to do to be prepared for this change that was occurring.
1: And now you have, I think, 3000 dealers and you guys have grown probably quite a bit. You also, I think you're in 150,000 homes or something. So, um, that's probably grown quite a bit, I think, across both those numbers.
0: It has and we see that it's it's exponential growth if you if you look at our uh, financial data that's out there if you if you go out uh, on the NasDAQ and look there you'll see all of our, our financial data that will give you a lot of the numbers that you're talking about uh, but uh, we've we continue to see that growth happening very rapidly um, and in the homes that we're adding we're adding through you know three to five thousand homes every month that come online with control 4 and uh, continue to boost there
1: you guys uh, originally were focused very much on IP over over wired and Ethernet, and you also had you've you've made Zigbee core to your platform, and have increasingly moved to Wi Fi. Talk about some of those connection uh, standards and interconnects, and what you see happening maybe going forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So when we started off, we started off looking at we wanted to incorporate. Uh, standardized communication uh, protocols. Uh, We weren't looking for proprietary, and at the time when we started developing our technology, there were a lot of little proprietary uh, communication protocols that were starting to to creep about. Uh, We landed on IP. IP had been around for a long time. It's very reliable, and so at a core, we use IP. Our systems uh, sit on uh, regular networks. Um, They use regular routers and regular network switches um, to communicate between each other. Um, we use that that IP network in both the wired and wireless mode, and then we also for our for our low bandwidth uh, devices, say like a light switch or a dimmer, uh, we went to a technology called Zigbee, and at the time Zigbee was just starting to uh, get ratified um, as an IEEE standard. And uh, we were, in fact, we had one of the uh, board seats on that, on that uh, committee that was putting it up for ratification. And so we, uh, we helped get that, push that through. And we've been on Zigbee for the last, you know, 10 years. Very happy. It's a great technology works well as we look to the future. Uh, we, and then also on in the wired world, we also have serial control RS-232 and 485 that yep, we're yep. able to control devices on. But uh, as, as we look into the world, uh, you know, Z-Wave's interesting to us. Uh, right now, you can control Z-Wave devices from uh, Control 4 using a third-party uh, access uh, node that allows you to control those Z-B- those Z-Wave devices. We think Z-Wave's uh, interesting. It's taken off dramatically. If you look at the number of manufacturers yep. and the number of products that are out there, it's just overwhelming, the number of devices that are out there. And they're all very low cost. So Z-Wave's done a very, very good job of getting that uh, technology pushed th- pushed throughout the uh the electronics world. And so that's something we, we pay attention to. We mentioned KNX earlier. That's a communication protocol that uh, we see for lighting and HVAC and specific even blind control. Um, and you know, and as we get into commercial space, we still, we still see a lot of BACnet, uh, interestingly enough, that's still being utilized and we do a healthy dose of business in the commercial world. Um, it's typically in, in, uh, what we consider light commercial, uh, which would be, uh, Professional offices like doctors and lawyers' offices, restaurants and sports bars, and also boardrooms, and uh, we tend to see some of those communication protocols there as well.
1: Are you guys looking at incorporating things like Bluetooth Smart, for example, which seems to be doing well in the in the DIY space?
0: Yeah, so we're looking at that technology very closely. It's an interesting one. Um, it's it's one that uh, that has a lot of promise. We're start we're certainly seeing a lot of uh, devices that have that. Uh, technology built in it now especially as we went to came back from CES this last year uh, or in January there was there was a lot of devices that were incorporating that technology so it's something we're looking at very hard you guys are not only
1: in, in homes but you actually have a hotel business talk about that I think you're in like 20,000 or something hotel rooms
0: yeah we're in a lot of hotel rooms we we have uh, 26 hotels around the world and expanding every year we add uh, four or five more hotels into the into that uh platform we're in one of the largest hotels in the world today which is the aria hotel in las vegas uh there's four thousand and four rooms there each one of those rooms has a control for experience um, starts with right from the door lock the door lock is a zigbee uh, door lock when you uh, take your rfid card that you received to check in you uh open the uh you open the door as soon as you unlock the door it knows it's the first time you checked in uh the room welcomes you the blinds open up Ah, uh, the lights slowly turn on, the television turns on, has your name on, it starts playing some music. and And that one little feature right there, uh, if you go to TripAdvisor, it gets so much write up from the the uh, customers and the guests that stay there. Um, it's it's pretty, pretty amazing and uh, to see, and it's it's a cool experience. But we control everything within the room with a remote control. We control the lighting, um, and that's in every room. that's the off-the-shelf room all the way up to the uh, executive suites and the high roller suites they have. Um, up at the very top of the hotel, but we also have um, hotels um, throughout the entire world. We have them in London, we have them in uh, China, we've got them in Turkey, and uh, we are continuing to expand worldwide hotels today.
1: All right, Paul. Last question: If you're going to look at the, you've been in the space for a decade. I think you've been with Control Four for ten years. Looking for the next ten years, what do you what do you see happening? What are some trends you think uh, maybe some of our listeners don't know is going to happen?
0: So there's, there's things we're watching. Um, the connected home is here. Um, it's happened for some time. I think that uh, as I as we look at it, uh, what we're going to see is certainly more connection, not less. Uh, more of the devices that we have. The Internet of Things is big. It continues to gain momentum. Uh, every device that you buy today seems like it has some connectivity to it or an app that will control it. Uh, we're going to continue to see that. I don't think that's a big surprise for anybody, but uh, even devices that you may not think that would have have automation or have control – Seem to have control in them today, and that will continue on. Um, we are going to work hard to be that that automation platform. Once again, that that operating system for that connected home that brings all those devices in a in a very simple, easy to use way, without having to have 15 different applications to run the 15 different devices I picked up. Having a single app that allows you to run all of those devices and be able to control it. So that's that's certainly happening. We're also seeing this this uh, uh, convergence of security and automation, and it, and we've seen it through the service providers. But you're going to see that continue to to evolve. Um, security and safety and security. Uh, well, first of all, it's one of the product solutions that I'm responsible for at Control Force. So I'm very passionate about it. But it but it really is is one of the things that people are concerned about. Is is protecting both their family and then also their 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 home and their possessions. It's, it's something that people are passionate about. And we're going to con- continue to see that, this, this confluence of both automation and security continue to come together.
1: Hey, Paul Williams, thank you for taking time today.
0: Pleasure, Michael. Thank you.